Welcome to this week's podcast from Tim Hall International Ministries. To find out more about what Pastor Tim and Jackie Hall are doing around the world, check out timhall.com.au. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and empowered as you listen to this message. Go with me to 2 Kings. I want to talk about the Shunammite woman. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 4 says this, It fell on a day, verse 8, that Elisha passed to Shunam, where there was a great woman. That's nothing to do with her size. That's to do with her impact in the community. The biggest woman in the Bible was the woman of Samaria. No. And the smallest man was Nehemiah. And she constrained him to eat. So when this man of God came through, she stopped him and she'd say, Sir, would you like something to eat? Can I get you a meal? Can I feed you? Can I give you something? And uh, he came often. And each time he came, he called in there and this lady cooked him a meal every time. She sent something about this man. What this prophet carried, she wanted in her home. She sensed that magnificent thing called the anointing of the Holy Ghost. She sensed the power of God. She sensed that unique thing. I felt it tonight as we worship tonight. Pastor Ant, there is something in the atmosphere tonight that is totally tangible. And it was getting stronger. We could have worshipped. It was just getting thicker and stronger. And anything can break out in that atmosphere. But she felt the power of God. She felt it on this man. She could feel it on this prophet. I mean, this man carried an anointing of the Holy Ghost that was so strong and so powerful that even after he had died and his body was in a tomb, that they threw a dead man into his tomb when there was nothing but bones there. The dead body rolled down to the end and hit the bones of Elisha. And as the dead man touched those bones, there was enough of the power of God in his dead bones to raise a man from the dead. That is someone who's carried the anointing. Could you imagine what he was carrying in his lifetime? They say of Catherine Kuhlman, that great woman of God, that when she ministered and the power of God began to flow, people could not walk within 20 feet of her without being knocked over by the power of God. I believe that God wants us to grow and enlarge in the realm of the anointing. He wants us to become stronger in the anointing. He wants us to carry a greater mantle. I want to carry a greater mantle. I've just moved house. God has been very gracious. He's just given us a beautiful house up in the bush, five minutes from the place I go to pray. God said, I'll give you a house right next door. I go in there into a big park and pray and seek God. And God's been saying to me, Tim, I've given you a house right next to your prayer spot. I want you there so much. I've given you a house five minutes away. And I've been praying, God, I want to come under a mantle stronger than I've ever known. I want to come under an anointing of the Holy Ghost to touch the nations. God, I want an anointing to the nations of the earth so strong, stronger and stronger, supernatural mantle of the power of God. There's a mantle on the church here. I just sensed, has something been happening in the spirit, Pastor Ed? Yeah, well, exactly. Every year the place has grown a couple of thousand people and there's always something going well, how could I, what a silly question. I, I feel rebuked for even asking it. But there's something going on in God. 
in the unseen realm, there's something happening in the city. Does anyone believe, anyone with me? I mean, have we got one wild dog here? Have we got one growling dog that would dare to believe? Hmm. This little woman recognised the anointing of God on this prophet. And she thought, I'll make room for this in my life. Let me tell you, we've got to make room for the anointing. More than anything else, we've got to make room for the anointing. Got to make room every day for the anointing. We've got to have a place where we can go, where we can get under the anointing. We've got to have a a prayer time that makes room for the anointing. We've got to make room for God to come with His tangible presence. And she said to her husband, this guy comes through regularly, this, this prophet. She said, I perceive and sense that he is a man of God. Can we build a little room for him? Can we make a place in our house, in the wall here? Can we build a little room so that he can stay here? I imagine she said every time he stays here, he just leaves a fragrance. He leaves a presence behind. He leaves something supernatural behind. Can we build a little prophet's room and put a bed in there and a table and and set up a place where he can come? And the husband said, yeah, that's okay. And they built a little room. It's an interesting thing. There's a real picture here. She was generous. She was sowing a seed. The interesting thing is that the sowing of that seed unlocked barrenness. The sowing of the seed of generosity. She unlocked a door for the anointing of God. And God unlocked her womb and gave her a child. And there's a principle. The quickest way to break out of spiritual barrenness and financial barrenness, even physical barrenness, is to have a generous giving spirit. It's the quickest way to have a revolution in your Christian walk. And so the prophet said, does she need anything? And the servant said, no, the only thing that she needs really, she hasn't got a child. And so the prophet said, a year from now, you'll have a child. And that's exactly what happened. She had a little boy and this little boy grew and he grew and he grew and we don't know what age he was, but one day he went out to work with his father out in the field and when he got out there, it must have been sunstroke or something happened to him and uh, he hung onto his head and he cried out with agonising pain in his head and uh, they picked him up and they carried him to his mother and he lay there with his head on, a, on his mother's knee and as he lay there, his head got worse and worse until finally he died with his head on the mother's knee. Here was this promise from God. Here was this promised boy. Here was this young man. Here was the blessing of God. But now death had come into her life. Now a thing of death had come. Now disaster had come. Now suddenly her life was hit by the the, the most horrible thing that she could imagine. Her boy was dead. She desperately needed a miracle. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter whether you're a good person, a full-on person for God, a person full of faith. I think every one of us at some stage have to fight through tough circumstances. Just because we're people of faith doesn't mean that we're not going to go through some trials. The Bible talks of fiery trials and a fiery one is one that's hot and a little bit nasty. But the beautiful thing as Christians is that when the trials come, we have the power within us. We have the anointing of God. We have the strength of God. We have the Word of God. We have the relationship with God that will take us through them into victory. The Bible says when you're going through the valley, don't camp there. Keep going. One man said, if I'm going through the mountain and I come to a dead end, 
I'll either stay there and dig a gold mine and hunt the gold out that's in the valley or I'll bore a hole right through the mountain and go under it. She's now facing the greatest challenge probably of her life. What is she supposed to do? What is the procedure that she should take? And I love the procedure because it's a real picture of what we should do if we want a miracle from God. Tonight, God wants to touch people miraculously. Tonight, God wants to do miracles all over this building. The first thing that this little woman did was pick him up. I don't know how big he was and I don't know how small she was, but she picked him up. She picked up the thing of death in her life. She picked up the the trials. She picked up the pain. She picked up the death, the circumstance of death in her life. And she said, I know where I'm going. I'm going to the place of the anointing. I'm going to the prophet's chamber. I'm going to the place where the tangible power and anointing of God seems to hang. I'm going into the place of the supernatural. And she carried or dragged the body of that young boy, that young man into that room, picked him up and lay him on the bed of the prophet where the anointing must have hung. She went in and probably said, Almighty God, it was the prophet in this room that spoke to me about this boy. It was here that I got your word. It was here that I felt your power. It was here that something supernatural happened for me. And so I'm laying him down before you right now in the place of the anointing and she shut the door. Too often we get a problem in our life. We keep carrying it. She could have strapped that boy on her back and carted him around. She could have carried him around. She could have dragged him around howling and screaming or held a huge pity party. Instead of that, she carried him into the presence of God. There was determination in her heart. All hell had broken through in her life but you can feel the steel in this woman's belly. You can feel the sense of determined strength that came over this woman. And she sh- I don't think she just shut the door. I reckon she slammed it shut. The Bible says, cast your cares on him. And that doesn't mean just go, Lord Jesus, I've got this little problem and I don't know what to do with it. I, I'm carrying it every day. I, oh God, I, can you please... Oh God, I'm here. You know what it means to cast your care? It means pick it up and throw it at his feet and leave it there. Leave it there. Too many people throw it down. And then the following day, they go back in and pick it up again. Oh, I'm going through such a hard time. Throw it down. Oh, there it is. Pick it up again. Carry it round. We've got to throw it down and then do what this woman did. Everybody with me tonight? Anyone excited? Any Caleb's here? There's one. What did she do? She shut the door. What did she do then? She went out. She had a plan. Burra marka plan. She had a plan. She had a plan. Do you like that? Burra, burra, mark a plan. She went out. Then the Bible says, she called her husband and said, send me one of the young men, one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God. 
I heard a man preach on this subject. I heard a man preach on it. I didn't get his sermon, but I got a couple of thoughts out of it. But he made a statement. She should have been preparing a funeral, but instead she saddled a horse. She should have been preparing a funeral, a celebration of death. Too many Christians have a trial and they have a funeral, but the Christian that wants something saddles a horse. Turn and turn to someone knee and say, don't have a funeral, saddle a horse. And she didn't say, I'm just going to quietly go down to the man of God. She said, get it ready. Get one of the asses that's a fast one. Get one of the asses that we've got on steroids. Get that one called Arnold that's on... This one used to spin the back wheels. Chariot on the back. It had 57 Chevy wings on the back of this chariot. It was the hottest thing in town. She said, I'm going to run to the man of God. I'm going there. I'm going to the source. I've laid my problem down and now I'm going down to the source of the word. And I'm going to go there fast. She wasn't wasting time. She had set herself. She wanted a miracle. She was not prepared to handle the situation of death. She was going to have a miracle. She was going to have a miracle. She got into the cart there. Obviously, it was a horse and cart. The husband, he was a bit of a dill. Do you use that word here? Drongo? Twit? What's, what's a good African word for not too bright? What's a, what's a good... Uh, What's the uh, what's the what's the main African language here? Yeah, Sutu. What's the best word for someone in Sutu that's a bit slow? Who? Sama. Now, this lady right here. Tell me. Simbaba. I've got to be careful, I might say something rude. That word anyway, whatever it means. In Australia, we call him a bit of a drongo. Which is a good word if you're in Australia, not so good here in Africa. And the husband says, why are you going down to see him today? He was from North Queensland. Why are you going down to see him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. He was religious. What a clown. What a clown. You can't go today. It's not the right religious season. I'm going to tell you, faith nothing to do with religion. Faith is a determination between you and God that you're going to lay hold of him. And neither hell, nor devils, nor anything else, nor circumstances, nor people, nor fear, nor pain, nor confusion is going to stop you from laying hold. I like what she said. You know what she said? She said, it shall be well. It shall be well. I looked up the word well. Do you know what the word is in the Hebrew language? She said this, it shall be shalom. It shall be shalom. What does shalom mean? Shalom means peace, comfort, tranquility, 
prosperity, success, blessing, victory, triumph. What did she say? It shall be shalom. I'm going down to see this man of God and let me tell you today, it's going to be shalom. Victory, peace, tranquility, comfort, strength, victory, the blessing, the fullness, the might. It'll be well. Then she saddled this ass. She said to her servant, drive. So it must have been a chariot or a cart. And she said, drive and go forward. Don't go slow for my sake. Put the foot down to the pedal and let her go. They took off. The horse was up on the back legs with its wheels spinning, with its hoofs spinning around the corner, sliding like those four-wheeled things in that picture, over the bumps, flying, racing down to the man of God. She was going there and she was going fast. She said, don't hold back. She said, I've got the courage. I just want to get there. I don't fear death. I want the man of God. I don't fear an accident. I don't fear anything. I just want to get a hold of this man. Faith gets a faith gets a desperation. The faith that breaks through has a desperation that says, I don't care, I'll take a few risks. That's how you spell faith. R-I-S-K, faith. Let's keep going. We'll just move through this really quickly. So they went flat out to Mount Carmel, verse 25. And it came to pass that when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, behold, it's the Shunammite. Run down and meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? So he met her at the gate and he said, is it well with your husband? Is it well with your family? Is it well with you? Is it well with your child? And she said, you better believe it. It is well. You better understand, it is well. Her boy lay dead, decaying in a room, a room with a stench of death. But she said, it's going to be well, it's well. There's something about a word of faith in your mouth. If you want a miracle, there's something about a word of faith in the middle of your circumstances that says, I believe God. I believe God. It is well. It is well. You know that song we sing, It is well with my soul. You know that song? It was written by a man who just lost his wife and children. They'd gone down on a ship in the ocean and they'd been drowned. And he began to sing. It is well with my soul. It is well. I won't sing it, I'll mess it up. It is well. Then she came to the man of God, verse 27. I love this. I love this. Let's have a look for a moment. She came to the man of God at the hill and she caught him by the feet. You know that word, to catch him by the feet. I've got it written down. I looked it up here today. I wrote it down here somewhere. Um, It's definitely got a good meaning. It means to be bound fast, to be attached. And it's often used in battle, in a battle scene of an army that stands immovable. She seized him like an immovable army. She lay face down on the ground. 
she ran to the man of God and she wrapped her arms around his ankles and she hung on face down in respect and she hung on as an immovable force on the legs of this man. You know, something happens when we have an attitude that takes hold. Stories told of Jacob wrestling with the angel. The Bible says he wrestled with the angel through the night. As he wrestled with the angel, the angel said, let me go. He said, let me go. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm part of you. I'm attached. Like an immovable army, I won't let you go. The faith that breaks through, the faith that builds a church like this church and impacts the nations like you are, is not watered down, mealy mouth faith. It is the faith that says, my God, I won't let you go until you bless me. And this little woman would not let go. The prophet was very, very wide awake. He said, I sense that she may be slightly vexed. It's a brilliant awareness. So he said this to his servant, he said, servant, gird up your loins, take your staff, take my staff. Go down and don't salute anybody or meet anybody, but just go down and lay your, face, your staff on the face of the child. He did go. But the mother of the child said, as the Lord God of heaven lives, and as your soul lives, I am not going to leave you. And you know what the word leave you means there? I will not, sir, unless you come with me, I will not relinquish my hold on you. That's the faith that gets a miracle. That's the faith that breaks through. And he realized that if he didn't do something at the next conference of the prophets that he went to, he'd be walking in with a woman. He'd be getting on an aeroplane to Galilee. And they'd say, any hand luggage? No, but I've got some foot luggage here. <laughs> so he got up and he went down. I don't know how long it was. It may have been two days since they'd left. But when they got there, Gehazi had gone there. Gehazi had taken the staff we read here. He had put it on the face of the child. But there was no voice. There was no change. There was no hearing. There was nothing. And he said, the child is still dead. The child is still dead. Gehazi could do nothing. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and was laid upon the bed. Now something happened in the next, next verse. Verse 33 is very, very powerful. The woman had taken her problem and laid it in the place of the anointing and shut the door. Now the prophet arrives. The place stinks of death. There's decay. The child in the heat of summer, he's just laid there and he's just beginning to decay. And there's the stink of death. But now the door opens. The same door that the woman shut opens. And the man of God walks into the stink of death and shuts the door and stays in the room with the young boy. She slammed it on a problem. Now it's getting slammed with an answer. The man of God comes into the place of death. He comes into the place stinking of death. He comes into the place where decay has set in. I want to tell you, the anointing of God is upon us. The power of God is upon our lives, not just to have a nice life, but to carry it into the place where there's the smell of death, where there's the smell of hell, where there's the smell of pain, where there's the smell of decay, where there's the smell of disease. I remember as a young man, as a young man trying to find out about healing years ago, 
And I used to visit a man who had cancer of the jaw. And I could smell the cancer from the gate. There was a big hole under his chin. And this liquid cancer, whatever the thing was, the, the whole thing with cancer, liquid just ran out of his jaw. He held a towel there that would fill with this foul smell. And you could smell it from the gate. And as a young man, I used to go in there and I'd go in there day after day to see him and to pray for him. And I'd go in through that front door and walk into his room and sit there with him and take him by the hand. And the smell was so intense of that cancer. You could smell the cancer. The cancer laughed at me as a young Christian. It mocked me. If ever there was a spirit in that thing, there was a spirit in that cancer that mocked me and did everything to put me off. And I kept saying, I'll get in there. I'll get in there. Everything wanted to move away and get it out of my life and try to get an understanding some other way. But I had to keep going back. Eventually that man died and I prayed for him. I did everything that I knew. But I tell you, I came out of that with a sense of, oh God, I want to start going into a place that stinks of cancer. Not just to have a failure, but to go in there and take him by the hand and raise him up to go in there and see the cancers dissolve and to begin to fast and pray and seek God and say, oh God, I want an anointing that when I go into the place of death, death is going to give way. I have a very good friend who's been involved in the raising of 14 people from the dead. We saw a little boy get raised one night. But I believe that God wants to anoint us to go into houses where there's the stink of desolation, death, curse, pain, disease, fear. And you can smell fear. Every foul thing that the devil has raised up. This man of God was radical. He went in there with this decaying boy. Now I love this story because it gives me hope as well. But he went in there and I picture it for a couple of moments. Bible says he went up and there was this dead boy decaying. And the man of God knew what he was carrying. He knew what was on him. He knew the anointing. He knew that in that boy was putrefaction and death. But he knew that in his body pulsed the supernatural, tangible presence of God. And he lay on that boy. And he put his face against the decaying face of that child. And he put his mouth against the, deca the decaying, stinking mouth of that dead boy. And he put his eyes against the eyes. And he put his hands against the hands. And he lay on that young boy. I always thought the boy just got up. But it didn't happen. The boy just became a bit warm. His body just warmed. The prophet was imparting the life of God to him. And he just began to warm. And then I read the next verse and the Bible says, then he returned and walked into the house to and fro, to and fro. What was he doing? Walking up and down. What was he doing? God, 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 there's death in there. God, there's death in there. God, there's a little taste of something, but God, he's still still dead his skin's warm but God to and fro walking up and down I've got to have your anointing for this oh God God I'm looking to you up and down and up and down God touch me oh God it's got to be you Jesus you can do this 
And he walked up and down, backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards. And then the Bible says, he went up and he stretched himself again on the boy. And this time the little fella sneezed seven times and his eyes opened. This woman wanted something. She went after it. And when she did, God sent the source of life, strength, in the body of his servant. And his servant went into the room of death. And from his eyes flowed supernatural power into the eyes of a dead boy. You know, the awesome thing is that we can walk into the situation where someone is blind in their eyes. And the resurrection life that's in it will flow into those eyes. And they'll open up. We carry that anointing into a place where a person can't see the glory of God. And just the presence of God that we carry into that place, that anointing, He wants us to carry more and more. Do you believe that? That life that's in it, the God kind of life. Bible says all the fullness of God dwells bodily within us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we ask or think according to the power that right now is at work within us. He said, I pray the eyes of your understanding would be open that you might understand the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance in the saints and the unlimited magnitude of power that is us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when God raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand. He lay on the boy, put his hands on the boy's hands. I want him to come, let his hands rest on mine and impart so much of his healing power. 